Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. <laughs> yeah, for you see, this is just a taste. No, no, this is just a little bit, just a little taste of that which is coming towards you, that which is coming into the body, into the church, for you have contended, you have prayed, you have believed, and now, like a slow rising tide, my anointing will come, increase, and cause great glory. So get ready, get ready. The things in which you desire are coming your way like never before. My power, my anointing is working in you, through you, and among you. So dream big, ask big. Don't back off, press in. It's yours in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm reminded of a, of a, of a plaque that was on Dr. Oral Roberts' desk. It said, make no small plans here. Amen. Some of you, the reason you've not gotten the breakthrough that you're believing God for is you're dreaming too small. God wants to do so much more for you. I mean, Leonidas, our life is a testimony of, of God just, just, there's no way really to describe it other than His great mercy and His great grace and His great compassion on our lives. Jesus said this. He said, I am come that you might have life. I am come that you might have life. Then He said this, but that you would also have it abundantly. Abundantly. Listen, I don't know. I'm not going to get embarrassed for living good while the earth goes to hell. I'm not going to follow them into their grief. I'm not going to follow them into their confusion. I'm not going to, listen, I'm not going to follow them into their divided rhetoric on either side. I got someone else I'm looking at. And I'm going to tell you something. You know, I've always had this sense. Over the years, I've had a few experiences. But I've always had this sense of Jesus being close to me. But you know, lately, that's been, that's been more real to me than anything else. In my, I mean, it's like he's right here, right here, right now. You say, why? Because he's coming soon. And if you're sensing that in your own spirit, then you're hooked up with the right thing right now in your prayer and your study and all that you're doing. He's coming soon. And he's making himself real to people right now. Isn't that great? Hallelujah. Dream big. Dream big. Hallelujah. Dream big. And I guarantee you, God, he is the one that gives you the desire of your heart. And he's the one that will bring it to pass. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout. Glory to God. Thank you, praise team. What a wonderful all worship and praise service this morning. That was, oh my goodness. I hope other churches are having it this good. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're studying the subject of operational faith or faith that operates or faith that works. Mark chapter 4 this morning, we'll, we'll look at two portions of Scripture. One in Mark chapter 4, one in the book of James. Mark chapter 4. Hallelujah. I'm going to go back there and see what they're doing. Nobody having that much fun, amen? 
Mark chapter 4. Let's read there in verse 36. It said, when he had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he, everybody say he. He was, a, he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, speaking of Jesus. And they awake him and they said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose. Everybody say, now he arose. Now notice he was asleep on a pillow. Now he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Listen, if you're going through a great battle, God's got great calm scheduled for you. Amen. I, I always love to go over, especially if I'm going through something difficult, I love to go and read Matthew 4.11 where it says, then the devil leaveth him, and angels came and ministered unto him. I believe that if you'll stand in faith, there are extended periods of time in your life in which the devil just doesn't have access to you. I tell you, I've experienced it. It's glorious, amen. But then Jesus said, or he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? Now notice that. How is it that you have no faith? <laughs> it says here, and they feared exceedingly. And said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, there are good things in the story. I mean, they were in the ship with Jesus. And you can study other gospel documentations of this and see that they were on a, a mission. Jesus said, let's go to the other side, says in one other, one other depiction of this story. And we know that upon their arrival at the Gadarenes, there was a man possessed by 6,000 devils that he just cast out. man was clothed and in his right mind. So we know that there was hindrance to that movement. Now, a lot of people, God will bless their lives, but they're kind of fearful to step out in the things of faith because the previous fight of faith traumatized you. You said, well, y'all don't want to go through that again. Well, here's the thing. If you will initiate things with your faith, instead of laying back in the ship and wait until you have to wake up the Word, you'll find out that what you go through is not near as traumatic. They did the right thing. They woke up the Word. But it was not what faith wanted them to do. Faith wanted them to stand in the front of that boat and if nothing else, to say this, Storm, sea, do you know who's in this boat? He's the one that created you. He's the one that sustains you and upholds you. See, they, they, that didn't dawn on them. Now, don't get me wrong. They're not born again. They're not. But they are with Jesus, and he is in the boat, and the storm does come. You just think, well, Jesus is in my boat. There's not going to be any storms. Jesus may sail you right into a storm. Amen. You say, why? Because there's always the hindrance of the adversary to anything you're trying to press into, whether it be healing or, or prosperity or blessing. Listen, the enemy will stand right in your way and tell you that you can't do it, but he's a liar. Yes. You know, if you would make a, make a decision to listen to God the same way you listen to the devil. Because many times the devil will talk to you and you take it so seriously. 
When the devil talks to me, you know what I do? I laugh at him. Many times before I even say, in the name of Jesus, leave me alone, or in the name of Jesus, get out of my mind or my body or whatever, I just laugh. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you're messing with here? Some defeated, some say, well, that's just pride. No, it's not. I know in whom I believe, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've delivered unto him against that day. That's one of the first things I begin to hear. Don't get involved with that faith crowd. They're a bunch of cocky, proud. No, they're not. They're people who know their God and do exploits. Amen. Amen. I mean, what, what did David's brother say about I know thy pride. He didn't have no pride. I know the naughtiness of that. No, no, no. He was, listen, nobody else was going to face that giant. Everybody say, wake up the word. Now Jesus said, there again, notice in verse 40, He said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Uh, another tr- another uh, 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 gospel uh, uh, writing of this says, how, how is it that you have weak faith? How is it that your faith is so weak? So notice, I, I wrote a couple of things here, then we're going to go to James. Wake up your faith. How do you wake up your faith? Number one, you cannot wake, your, wake up your faith as long as your eyes are on the storm. And the storm, you got to understand, the storm can produce things. The, 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 the wet of the rain, the roll of the boat, the cracking of the thunder, the darkness of the skies. I mean, it, it, it paints an ominous picture. I mean, you get the doctor's report. You, you take the treatment. Uh, you, go, you go counsel with the banker. trying to, you, All the things that you're, that you're doing, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, discount any of that, but you have to make a decision to, at one point in this whole scenario to turn your eyes off of the storm and turn your eyes on the only one that's going to calm the sea. Amen. Amen. The disciples, their, their, their problem was they had the wrong focus. Somebody should have remembered these words. Didn't he say, let us go to the other side? He didn't say, let us go halfway, get in a storm and sink. He said, let us go to the other side. See, there's always another side that God is trying to get you to go to. God God is trying to get you to move towards. And it's always the enemy that tries to produce those storms on your journey to the other side. But you've got to make a decision. I'm going to the other side because on the other side, there's glory. On the other side, there's victory. On the other side, there's an answer. Or there may be an answer for someone else when I get to the other side. Got to get your eyes off the storm. Got to get your eyes off the storm. Amen? Secondly, you ready for this one? You need to appropriate forgiveness. You say, why? Because you doubted. They were in fear. He recognized, you know, why is it that you're so fearful? So, So doubt had run its course Imagine when they first got going. There's Jesus. He's in the ship. They're all you know, sailing probably, whatever they're doing. They're heading out. Then he gets, you know, finds them a comfortable spot. You know, gets nice and, nice and uh, relaxed. Falls asleep. And the clouds begin to gather. Next thing you know, there's a clap of thunder. Didn't wake him up. Amen. Now it's raining. Now the wind is blowing. Why hadn't he, woke, why hadn't he done something about it? See? That's how we get many times. We get into doubt. The question is not, listen to me, church. The question is not when is God going to do something about it. It's when is you going to do something about it. When are you going to do something about what God has done about 
your problem or your situation. You have to initiate it. You have to do it. And you have to make a decision. I'm not sinking on this journey. And there may be a storm raging, but I'm coming out of it in Jesus' name. This is coming to pass. You know, remember what it says there in, in, in 2 Corinthians 4, last verse. I think it's verse 18. For we look not at things that are seen. That's not denial. See, I heard somebody challenge me one time. I was preaching in a conference over in Europe, and, and I had taught on faith for three or four days, and a guy came up to and said, that's just denial. That's all that is. You're just, just, just deny people deny this. I said, no, it's not. Faith is not denial. Faith is application of the answer to the problem. I don't deny there's a problem. I don't deny there's a doctor's diagnosis. I don't deny there's a deficit in the finances. I don't deny somebody is depressed or oppressed. I don't deny that at all. It's obviously happening. Amen? But what I do is I turn my focus off that and I get my eyes on Jesus because he's the only one that's going to calm that storm and he's going to empower me to do it. If I listen to him and follow him, he's going to bring me to a place in grace where I can speak to that thing and say in the name of Jesus, you're not going to operate like that anymore. Now, here's the key to operational faith in this situation. They did not act upon what they knew. They knew he was a miracle worker. They knew he did signs, wonders, and miracles. They knew, Peter knew, he was the son of the living God. They knew that. They knew these things about Jesus. But the factual aspect of what they were involved in robbed them of their operational faith. Shut them down. But thank God Jesus was in the boat. So you've got to do what? Wake up the Word. Wake up Jesus. Number one, get your eyes off the storm. Amen? Secondly, what was the second one? You've got to appropriate forgiveness. You've got to say, God, why did I ever doubt? Forgive me. Because if you study Scripture and you look at what sin is to us as a believer, do you know what it is? It's unbelief. It's unbelief. It's that same sin that kept an entire nation out of the promised land for 40 years. Amen? It's that same, same unbelief today that causes people to fall away, to not believe God. And I've seen people in the, in the height of a storm thinking, well, where is God? He seems a million miles away. No, He's not. You've got to make a decision. Could you imagine what was going on in the thoughts of those men in that boat? They'd been in storms before. These are fishermen. These are guys that know, the, that, know that big lake of Gennesaret. It's a big, I've been on that, 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 that body of water before. It's big. From one end, you can't see the other. You can see some other. But you've got to get out there in the middle of it to see all the boundary of it. And I'm telling you, it's a deep lake. And when that thing starts rolling, I guarantee you, it's, those guys knew what that meant. There were probably many of their friends and family members that had gone out on a day like that and did not come back. So all of that's building in their minds. Remember where your fight is taking place. It's taking place in your mind. If the enemy can get your thought life, he'll get your words. If he can get your words, he's got your life. Because by your words, you're justified. And by your words, amen? By your words, you're justified or condemned. Now, when it comes to acting on faith, this is an area in which a lot of people have trouble. Because the enemy will try to confuse you, will try to get you to step out in assumption or presumption. Amen? Uh, A wonderful pastor, uh, Pastor Fred Price, uh, wrote a book called Faith, Foolishness, and Presumption. I highly recommend it for you to read that. He was one of the top faith teachers in our nation. His son pastors his church today out out in California. But I'm telling you, that book 
on faith, foolishness, and presumption. Because a lot of people act in foolishness, a lot of people act in presumption, but they don't act in faith. Now go to the book of James. Let's dig in here for just a few minutes. I've still got a few minutes. James chapter 2. Let me read here for just a moment. I'm going to come back to waking up the Word. If I don't do it today, I'll do it next week. Verse 14 of James chapter 2. Excuse me. I was looking at a 3 and should have been saying 2. James chapter four, chapter 2, verse 14. What doth it profit my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Now notice that. Can faith save him? Now in the context of the Scripture, the answer to that is no. But we know Ephesians chapter 2 says, For by grace you are saved through faith. It is not of works, it is the gift of God, least any man should boast. So anytime you see these words connected together like faith, or, 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 or how does it read here? Let me, let me do it again before I get... Can faith save him? Anytime you see the word save, you've got to go back and look, what is it referring to? Remember Peter, we've mentioned this many times in, in Acts chapter 2, he said this after preaching that glorious Pentecostal service on that first Pentecostal day, and 3,000 got saved. He said to that crowd of 3,000, all right, you're saved, you're born again, but you're going to have to save yourself from this wicked or untoward generation. Now, he's saying here, can faith save you? He's not talking about your eternal salvation. Can faith save you in the current situation that you're in if all you say is this? Oh, I got faith. Well, I got faith. Well, I got faith. And many times when people say that, they're, they're making a generic statement of a belief in God. Well, I believe that's God, so that's faith. Isn't that faith? Well, not really. The Bible says that you must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him, and that He will be the God, listen to me, that you need Him to be. Listen, if you're unsaved in this service this morning, you need God to be your God of salvation, and He will do that through Jesus Christ. If you're sick or infirmed, you need God to be Jehovah Rapha. You need Him to be the healer and the health of your body. If you're broke and haven't got two nickels to rub together, you need God to be Jehovah Jireh, the specific God for you, so He can save you from poverty. Are you with me? So here, here's, 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 here's this scripture. Okay, this is James. Everybody say James. This is not Peter, James, and John. This is James, Jesus' half-brother. They shared the same mother, but not the same father. God was, was, was Jesus' father. James knew that. He knew that. And James is a very practical book. It, it demands your study. It demands your meditation. It demands you understanding the book of James because the book of James is to the new covenant what Proverbs is to the old covenant. It is a book of great wisdom. And I, I can see the church at Jerusalem being oh, a pretty crazy church. Number one, you got Peter there. You got, you got other disciples there that had walked and talked with Jesus. You got James pastoring the church who was his half-brother that grew up with him. Amen. I guarantee you it was a, it was a, it was a spiritual church of, of signs and wonders and miracles. And I guarantee you people got, probably got a little apathetic and complacent waiting for their miracle. 
And James probably got frustrated and said, hey, wait a minute. You guys are trying to operate in a covenant that used to be under the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ when he walked on the earth as a person, but now he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and you're going to have to respond to him differently than you did when he walked on the earth because he is not son of man, the humble son of Mary now. He is the exalted son of Almighty God seated at the right hand of the Father. He's not going to provide or give you anything. He's already done it. He's already provided, and faith will appropriate that. Now, let me, okay, thank you, Lord. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith? Now, notice this, and have not works, can faith save him? Answer is no. If a brother, now he goes right into an illustration, just like his, just like his, his half-brother. His brother was an illustrated preacher. He's an illustrated preacher. If a brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food. One of you say unto them, depart, be in peace, be warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What good does that do? So you're walking down the seawall. Maybe you're morning jog or you're up at the beach uh, meditating on the word or something. And there, there's a brother. You recognize him from church. There you are. And he's sitting there and he's impoverished. Can't you tell you he hadn't had a meal to eat. Maybe you're up here on, on 51st Street right across from the St. Louis. You tell him, hey man, why don't you go check into the St. Louis? Why don't you go over to the steakhouse, order you a nice big steak, go into that little shop, get you some nice clothes. And you know, that person could be thinking, oh boy, there's somebody fixing to bless me. And they just turn around and walk off. What? Now listen to the scripture. What good does that do to say that if you're not going to act on that? Now hold on, hold on. Listen to that again. What good does that do to say that if you're not going to act on it? Then he, then he follows that up by saying this. It says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. He says that three times in this portion of Scripture. Was not Abraham, now he begins to give illustration. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar? We've studied that. We've seen that. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works? And by works faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also, now notice this strange illustration. How did he pull this up? Rahab the harlot. Now we got a prostitute teaching us how to walk in faith. Come on, church. But she did. Rahab the harlot, now notice this, justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them out another way. So I read that, you know, read, I've read it for 39 years. I've been studying the Bible. I read it right the other day. The Lord said, now you need to meditate on that. You need to think about that because there's faith in that. So here come these spies and they're spying Jericho out. And she, she pulls them into her house. I don't know if she saw danger or what she saw. But whatever it was about her and who these guys were. Amen? She had heard for 40 years what was going on with those people out there in the wilderness. She'd probably heard the story how they got delivered from Egypt with, with signs and wonders and miracles and how they came out and destroyed every nation that stood in front of them. Now listen, listen. These men come into her house, it's explained to her who they are, and it's explained to her what they're going to do. She immediately sided with them. Did you get that? 
she, she, she walked away from the government of her city, the government of her nation, and the government of her household. And she stepped over into the covenant of God to where the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ, when it's mentioned in the Gospels, you know who's in that lineage? Rahab the harlot. You got some characters in your family, whether you know it or not. Her act of faith, she understood something. That scarlet thread out the window. She understood covenant. And it saved her life. It saved her household. She was not destroyed with Jericho. And her and her family left with Israel and began to possess the promised land. Amen? So he uses that as an illustration because her faith was big. I mean, you're standing in a secure city with a wall so wide around it you can drive two chariots all the way around the city. And she says, they're going down and I'm going with you. Amen. That's faith. Now notice. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now notice this. Let me read it in the, I like it in the Passion. Let me read it here. Passion Bible. I'll find it here. I need help. And I got it. There it is. Hallelujah. <laughs> Here's how it reads in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the Passion Bible. My dear brothers and sisters, what good, if so, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? How could this kind of faith save anyone? For example, if a brother or sister in the faith is poorly clothed and hungry and you leave them saying goodbye and I hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat, but you don't provide them a coat or even a cup of soup, what good is your faith? So then, faith that doesn't involve action is phony. But someone might object and say, one person has faith and another person has works. Go ahead then and prove to me you have faith without works, and I will show you faith by my works as proof that I believe. You can believe all you want there is one true God. That's wonderful. But even the demons know and tremble with fear before him, yet they are unchanged and they remain demons. Yeah. Woohoo! Oh, feeble sons of Adam, do you need further evidence that faith divorced from good works is a phony? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham found righteous? before God because of his works when he offered his son Isaac upon the altar? Can you see how his action cooperated with his faith and by his actions found its, and by his action faith found its full expression? So in this way the scripture was fulfilled because Abraham believed God, his faith was exchanged for righteousness. So he became known as the lover of God. Now it is clear that a person is seen as righteous in God's eyes, not by faith alone, but by his works. The same is true of the prostitute named Rahab, who was found righteous in God's eyes by her works, for she received the spies into her home and helped them escape from the city by another route. 
For just as the human body without the spirit is a dead corpse, so faith without the expression of good works is dead. All right. So, as not to go into a legalistic ditch, people say, okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to quit doing this, quit doing that, quit doing this, quit doing that. I'm going to start doing this, start doing that. That may or may not be faith. I don't know. The Bible says three times in the book of James, faith without works is dead. Won't you know, oh, vain man. That, that encompasses all of Christianity who does vain things to try to prove they're connected to God. And listen, we're believing God to build a beautiful building, but we don't want our building, we don't want to say, see, we know God, look at our building. I hope we never get to that place when I'm here, amen? But people do that. Look at our building, we must be of God. Look at our music, we must be of God. Look at this or look at that. Well, if that's true, if all the wealth proves they're good, then we all need to change and go join the Mormon church. (laughs) Have you ever heard the Mormon Tabernacle Choir? But they're a cult. They don't know nothing. They go to hell by what they believe. So, won't you know, oh vain man, faith without works is dead. Then it says something very interesting at the the last scripture that says it, knowing that the body without the spirit is dead. So your human spirit is what keeps your heart ticking. Your human spirit is what keeps your lungs breathing. Your human spirit is what keeps your kidneys functioning. You say, well, why do people die then? Because of sin in the flesh. It destroys the flesh. But it also is true that if you could grab spirit out of the air and stick it in a dead body, a dead body would rise up living. Because that dead body finds its expression in the spirit that's in it. Are you with me? So if you don't have faith, or the spirit of faith in your actions. If you're just doing works, trying to get God to see your works. Look, God, I, I, I worked, at the, I worked at, the, at the feeding kitchen the other week. I, I, I went out on the street and gave out clothes. I'm doing my best to show people. Out. That's not faith. That's good works. And there's nothing wrong with, quote, good works, helping people, being benevolent. We do it all the time. We do it all the time. But he is saying to us here, there must be, Come a completion of your faith. So let's, real simple, as we close. It begins with what? The Word of God. The Word of God and the will of God are synonymous. It is God's will for every person to be saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. God doesn't want anybody sick, so He allowed Jesus to be horribly beaten so that we could be healed. Amen? Then Jesus rose from the dead so that new spirit could be on the inside of us so that we could be obedient children unto a heavenly father. So we begin with the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's why you've got to hear it. What's the difference between listening and hearing? Hearing the word of God produces the act of faith. Listening to the word of God produces nothing. You say, what do you mean? You can listen all day long to the entire Bible and never have one ounce of faith. But you can hear one scripture and have enough faith in that scripture to move a mountain. Well, what's the difference between hearing it and listening to it? Listening to faith, you really never go to the next step. You say, what is the next step? The primary way in which faith is released is through your confession. 
We've said it over and over and over. By your words, you're justified. By your words, you condemn. Whosoever shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, shall not doubt in their heart, but believeth what those things which they say shall come to pass. They shall have whatsoever they say. So your confession of the, say it's for healing. And so you're over your father. I thank you that by his stripes I'm healed, that the law of the spirit of life in Christ makes me free from the law. So you're confessing, you're confessing, you're speaking that word, speaking that word, but you need an act of faith. You say, what do you mean? You need to either stop the medication or have the manifestation of being healed or whatever it is. So you can't come up with that. Do you understand that? You can't say, well, I'm going to do this. That's where people get messed up all the time is they think, I'm going to do this and God's going to bless me. And it doesn't happen. And what happens? The devil gets in your mind. Faith doesn't work. Nah, that preacher, he's full of it. He's up there just trying to get your money. That's all he's trying to do. That's why the devil will talk to you. Amen? And he'll tell you, well, it won't work. Why is the devil so adamant of trying to get us to to think the word doesn't work? Because he knows it does. Because he knows it does. And he knows if you hear it and start confessing it, that God is setting you up. What is he doing? He's setting you up for an act of faith. That works that's being talked about that does what? That makes your faith living faith. Because that's the only kind that works. So I've had times when I've I said, okay, Lord, faith has come. And I've been confessing it, confessing it, and confessing it for years. And I hadn't got what to do yet? You say, then what do you do? You be patient. And you keep confessing. And you keep declaring the word of God. And you keep living righteous. And you keep living holy. And the Holy Ghost one day will touch your heart. And you will know exactly what to do. And that work of faith will cause your faith to come alive. And that living... See, this is why the devil does not want you having living faith because living faith immediately manifests the provision of God. Every time we see in the Bible where faith came alive, God worked. God moved. God did a miracle. God did something to either set his people free or to set an individual free. I think of the woman. Historians tell her, tell us her name was... Veronica of Caesarea Philippi. That's the woman in Mark chapter 5. Now, she heard of Jesus, and she did what? She said. And that, that, that in the original Greek, it literally, it literally uh, gives the indication that she said it over and over and over and over and over. If I touch but his clothes, if I touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. If I touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. I heard he was healing people. They were touching his clothes. Go read that in Mark chapter 3. He was healing people. People were reaching out and grabbing the hem of that garment. They were being healed of all kinds of disease and sickness. I'm telling you, I, when I do, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And when I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. You know what she did? She took the inspiration of what Jesus was doing and convinced herself it was going to work. And when Jesus, when she touched Jesus, Jesus didn't even know who touched him. He said, surely he know. He didn't know. He's not a liar. He's not a deceiver. He said, who touched me? Who touched me? One translation says, he looked over the crowd to see who had released faith. So what was her act? Well, she said it and said it and said it until one day she heard Jesus was coming to her town. So illegally, her act of faith was illegal. It was not legal for a woman of her condition to be on the street around other Jewish people. And I guarantee you, ask her when you get to heaven, you'll find out I'm right. You say, what? That issue of blood probably flowed that day stronger than it ever flowed. 
She probably had the worst. Well, she'd been sick 12 years. She'd spent all of her money. She was nothing better, but rather grew what? Worse. So it couldn't have been a better day. It had to be a worse day. Could you imagine her strength trying to get to Jesus in a crowd thronging him so close? Knocked down probably? On the ground probably? Crawling up probably? But she found the strength in her faith to get her to the hem of that garment. And her act of faith, when she touched that garment, what she believed in her heart and confessed with her mouth came alive. How many people you think were touching Jesus that day? People out of curiosity, people accidentally, people on purpose, people seeing if they could get some kind of blessing from touch. Nothing happened. But one woman who believed, who believed and acted on what she believed. Now, I'm going to close with this because this will help you. You say, Pastor, but what, what, if, what, if I, what if I get it wrong? What if I felt like God tells me to do something and that's my faith and I do it and it doesn't work? I ask you a question. Was your heart right when you did it? Only you can answer that question. Was your heart right when you did it? I know I've done things before, and I thought, well, I'm going to just step out. That's faith. I'm going to step out, and it didn't work. And I got discouraged, and I went back to God and said, what happened? He said, I didn't tell you to do it. Amen? See, that's where presumption comes in. And many times, presumption is inspired by testimonies of others who have received from God. And they talk about, I did A, B, C, and D, and I got God to do this miracle for me. Well, it may not be A, B, and C for you. It may be L, M, and N, X, Y, and Z. Everyone on their different level of faith, God is still able to get the provision of God to you if you're willing to stand where you're at, hear and speak until God says, now do this. And when you do this, it's amazing how it works. But if you make a mistake, and you will over and over again, you will mistake yourself into this if you will not give up. If every time you fall, you get up, you'll recognize you fell forward instead of backwards. If you're in faith, then you know. Many times that's taught me a lesson. You know, you go to a service, you hear some inspirational testimony, you think, I'm going to do that. I've been believing God. I've been confessing. That ought to work for me. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Amen? Because God, listen, if it worked because Roland did it or Larry did it, amen, or Geo did it, if it worked because they did it, that means God's not looking at us as individuals. Did you know that? But he looks at us as individuals. I, I'm, I've been in ministry almost 39 years. God expects a lot more, more out of me than somebody that just got saved this week. Don't you know that? Same thing for you. You've been living for God 10, 15, 20 years. He expects a whole lot more out of you than somebody that just got saved the other day. Amen? But when you make that decision, I'll tell you, I'm, gonna, I'm coming out of whatever, whatever you're being tormented, whatever sickness, disease, whatever poverty, whatever, whatever oppression or depression, I'm coming out of this in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to get a word from God. I'm going to listen to His voice. I'm going to do everything I know to do, which is to stay in the Word, meditate on it, read it, have it taught to me, come to church, let me hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it, faith come, faith come. I'm going to speak it, speak it, speak it. I know in doing that, God is going to show me what to do. And when you tell the Lord, I'm waiting on you, Lord, to show me what to do, you have to realize He is conditioning you to do it because when He tells you to do it, He sees your faith and knows you have the faith to do it. Yeah. 
Faith without works is dead. Wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith also is dead without works. Now, we took the offering. I kind of kind of mentioned this, but that's such a true, not an illustration. It's a demonstration. An illustration would be something that we did and we just looked at, but it is a demonstration of how faith works. I teach you the Word. I share a Scripture every offering. We make a confession of faith that's based solely on the Scripture that's in the Word of God. So you have an opportunity for faith to come by hearing and to release it by confession. Then we say, bring your offerings to the altar. Put them in the bowl. Do it on your phone, however you do. So you've believed. Amen. You've, you, 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 you've heard. You've heard. You've spoken. You've acted, amen. Now what do you do? You just praise God. On any, whether it's healing. Listen, you come down to the altar. This is a good thing to know. You come down to the altar to have hands laid upon you for healing. Your, your symptoms may be 10 times worse when you get home. So what do you, here's, here's the two opportunities you have to think. Well, number one, that preacher ain't got nothing. Well, what were you trying to get from the preacher? Because see, that's a devil. devil put that right in your mind. That preacher ain't got nothing. Well, I, listen, well, you're trying to get something from a preacher. Preachers ain't got nothing. Amen? No, you can't think like the devil will tell you. Well, you say, I already said that. Well, it didn't work. That's not true. Healing's not for people today. Remember the church you used to go to? They told you healing wasn't for today. They told you if you got caught up with those faith people, then raise your hopes real high, then they'd be dashed when God doesn't do nothing. Well, that's what they preach in other churches. Amen? See, that's how the devil talks to your mind. But you got to tell the devil, shut up. Shut up, devil. I'm not listening to you. I'm listening to the word. Amen. And then when you come over here and you make some mistake and you, and you miss, you don't do the right. You just come back and say, well, Lord, I missed it. My heart was right. And he'll bring you right back into grace and into mercy so that you can be prepared again to hear his voice and to act on your faith and to see your faith become living faith. You know, it's a, it's a great illustration. Mary, when Mary... When that angel presented Mary with that awesome assignment of carrying the Lord Jesus Christ, she wasn't in faith. The first thing she did is she cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Amen? She cast in her mind. But what did that angel do? He started to give her more word, more word, more word, more word, more word. Then he ended it with a, with a powerful, powerful scripture. For with God, nothing should be impossible. Now she said this, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. That's the word rhema. That is the word, the faith that is alive, living, or I like one translation, faith that is active. So her confession was her permission. Her permission was her obedience. Your confession is your permission. Your permission is your obedience. What faith, what grace appropriates, faith supplies. Righteousness dictates it. That's what we'll get into that in the next couple of weeks. You say, what do you mean by that? There's an atmosphere. There's an atmosphere in which you live best. Did you know what atmosphere it is? <laughs> it's an atmosphere that's got oxygen in it. If they slowly begin to 
deplete the oxygen in this building. Some way they had a way to seal it and to begin to deplete the oxygen. We'd all start getting real sleepy. And next thing you know, we'd start to expire. We'd start to die because of lack of oxygen. Righteousness is the atmosphere of faith. You say, what do you mean? When you're living right, doing right, acting right, according to Scripture, not some legalistic, thou shalt not do this, this, and this, and thou shalt do this. No, no, no. When you're living according to the dictates of the Word of God, which the Word of God is putting in your heart, thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. That righteous lifestyle or atmosphere. Amen? I've said it before. I, I, I've said it many times. Lee and I live a righteous lifestyle. You can look at our lives. You can look in the windows. You can do anything to examine our life, and you won't find sin or iniquity. You'll find righteousness. You say, why? Well, that is the atmosphere in which faith does this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can live here. I can live here. This is a righteous person. I can live here. That's what faith will do. And I guarantee you, if nothing else is a testimony to you about how powerful faith is, just look at me. I watched it in my parents, believe God for kids that it looked like would never serve God. But they knew they would. And they had faith in a scripture that said, train up children in the way they shall go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. And before my mom and my dad went to heaven, they had been in countless meetings with their children around the world, teaching, preaching, and demonstrating the Word of God. Amen? Faith works, church. Operational faith works, church. Do not be weary in well-doing. Don't be weary in well-doing. Rise up in your faith. Rejoice in your heart that you've been counted worthy to participate with such truths and realities in these last days. For they will work in your life. And they will empower you and give you strength. And faith will bring the provision that you need, even for these last days, to protect you, to provide for you, and to keep you in these days that are so dangerous ahead. So rejoice today that you have such information, such revelation in your heart, and you will see in the days ahead how powerfully it works and how it will work to redeem and rescue your life. Hallelujah. Now let's lift our hands and thank God. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Now, if you're here this morning, say, Pastor, I, I really don't live in that atmosphere of righteousness. I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. But I want to be right with God this morning. I want to be right with Him. Two things. Ever head bow, ever eye closed, quickly, nobody looking around. Two things. Number one, maybe you've never made Jesus Lord and Savior. You need to make Him Lord and Savior. It's easy. You just believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. That's so easy. If you've never been saved, you need to get saved this morning. God loves you. Secondly, if you've been saved, born again, in your past life, I was at one time, six years old, I got saved. But at age 28, I had to get right with God. The prodigal had to come home. And he had to come home to the Father's house. Amen? And I did. And I've been home ever since. And it's been glorious. So you may hear me be here this morning and you think, 
I've gotten away from the Lord. I know the term backslider, that's a Pentecostal term. I know it's in the Word of God. But, you know, really what it is, you've gotten out of fellowship with God. He's not broke his relationship with you. There's no way, if God had broken his relationship with you, you would not be even within 100 yards of this church. But the proof you're here this morning is proof that he's not broken that relationship. So if you've never made Jesus Lord, or you need to get right with God, and you want to pray a prayer with me this morning, lift your hands high so I can see it right now. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Let me look around. Praise the Lord. Well, good. Everybody's right with God. Well, it's a good believers meeting this morning. Amen? Did you learn something? So don't listen. Let patience have her perfect work in you. You don't need to emulate me, copy me, or some great preacher somewhere. No, no. Just be who you are, operating in the faith that you have. Protect your faith. Increase your faith. But then watch as you begin to speak and speak and become sensitive. You'll know what to do. I know I'm supposed to do this. Maybe I need to quit doing this medication. Maybe I need to do, do quit, quit. Uh, uh, maybe I need to give this offering, or maybe I need to to, to 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 protect this money and take it out of this. Or do, God will speak to you and give you wisdom and give you instruction to obey, so that your faith can be alive and living. Amen. Praise God. Stand on your feet. You know this is a good illustration here. Every week we pray over protection. Amen. Over safety for men and women here at Island Church. And not only that, we expand that out to everybody that concerns us. Your loved ones, your children, your grandchildren. Don't you want to be... Well, what we're going to do is we pray. We declare it by the Word of God. Amen. And then we, we go out and we live lives unafraid, unfearful. Amen. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's so easy. Oh, Lord. So easy to get into fear. Don't do it. Stay in faith. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that you've given us your word. Thank you that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Thank you for our confession of faith and thank you for our acts of faith. Lord, as we leave today, by faith, we declare Psalms 91. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh us. Angels have charge over us. Only with our eyes will we behold and see the reward of the wicked. Father, we also thank you that in the righteous labor of our hands and our travels, we thank you, Father, we're kept by you from accidents, trauma, terror, evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. Father, we also ask you to ignite our hearts every day. We're around hurting people, unloved people, depressed people, fearful people. Lord, we are the light. We are the salt. Let's let our light shine. Let not our salt lose its savor. Father, we thank you this week. We will be effective in the lives of other people. Lord, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. And we declare here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood. Empowered by the word, anointed by the word. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.